This is Manifest Mindset, where we delve into our true passions, inspire the best out of ourselves, and live our life with true intention every single day. All right, welcome back to another episode of Manifest Mindset. We're here to get together again with Nick and Bob. <laughs> We're here for better words. or worse, my man. Absolutely. Yeah. How are you doing, Nick? Dude, I'm doing well. Uh, I just came off a meaningful day in the clinic. I uh, had some awesome patients today. Uh, actually, it was a unique day where no new emails. Just all, all follow-ups over at the sports clinic. Um, it was sweet, man. Saw a lot of progress. Uh, some battles for some, but a good day worth fighting. Okay, good. So, productive day, it sounds. It sounds like you're, you're fired up doing what you're doing. Uh, over where I'm at, this is the last week of my clinicals. Um, then I'm wow. going to graduate and just start studying for my boards and hopefully pass, and I will pass the boards down the line. So, I like it, man. Any, uh, any last intentions, any last things you want to get forward for finishing out this week of the clinical? No, it's just getting through. It's, it's a, <laughs> like I said before, it's a, it's a very high volume busy clinic. And just yesterday I was, I was in the middle of just treating five patients at once. Oh my goodness! Um, not not me, my friends. Yes, no, it, it wasn't ideal. Uh, my my CI and and the physical therapy assistant they were like doing some documentation things, and I was just oh, scrambling around with five different patients at once. It was an experience, um, but I got the reps in. I'm, I got to see like different things I don't normally see, so it's good. Um, for for, for in terms of exposure, it's good. I think there are some patients that can fit into that. But uh, I don't know. I think it does a disservice, and I might be making a bold statement here, but I think it does a disservice for our profession and for people when that becomes the norm. You know, sometimes we can make exceptions. Sometimes we can group them together um, when it's fitting. But I don't know. I think that we miss too much already. I think that makes it way more likely. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Like the quality of care, I wouldn't say is necessarily the best, but it's not. I mean, you're still getting the patients moving. Um, you're still getting them to exercise, still getting oh, to them to do something rather than nothing. Um, but is it like the best like kind of care we can give? Uh, probably not. If it was more individualized, we could like cater to them more. Um, but it, it was just me scrambling around, just handing them the things they needed to do, the exercise they needed. Uh, but, but yes. Now, Bob, let me I, ask you a question about this. And I don't know what the answer is going to be. Do you feel like there are any patients there in that setting that would not have any additional benefit from a one-on-one time in terms of they were getting the exact care they needed? And if so, kind of what percent of the patients would you think that was? Um, I mean, I would say like all, maybe all patients benefit from some, some one-on-one time, which, which they do like, um, but I mean, for, for the classic, like, total knee replacement where they're progressing well, they're doing their exercises at home like every day. Um, they come into the clinic and they do the same thing and maybe they, they're progressed a little bit. Um, but I would say in this clinic around like 50% would be like the wow. demographic. Um, cause, yeah, cause that's, far, that's far higher than I thought. So um, interesting. Well, well it's, it's mostly just, post-op patients that, that are all pretty doing pretty well. We're just getting them moving, um, total hips, total knees, things like that. But I think, and because there's just so many of them, I think. Right. Uh, yeah, there, there can yeah. be 
something to be appreciate about you know having a you know group whether it's a ACL rehab class or a group knee replacement or hip replacement class or a group kind of Parkinson's based class or something like that um, where people can see different levels different comparisons have more of a social environment with it so for things like that along the stages um, as long as there's an ability to adapt or change to go one-on-one as needed I think there can be value in those so I, I think this is a good point. I, I know, like, both of us, we, we think that um, we believe that, like, one-on-one is, I guess, you can say, like, a higher standard of physical therapy care, providing care to the, uh, to the patients. You get to, like, see what they're doing. You get to be with them. You get to progress them accordingly, give them appropriate loading, do what you need to, like, get them better more optimally. Now, I, I, maybe we talked about this a while back, but – for us, it seems like one-on-one care is, like, optimal. But then for the patient, they don't know what, quote-unquote, optimal is, right? So I remember, like, a year or two years back, we were taking Clint Admin, and Dr. Cherry, the, the professor that was teaching the course, was talking about how one of his friends opened a clinic. They had marketed that um, – the clinic was one-on-one care. Everybody gets an hour one-on-one with a therapist. It'll be great. The, the clinician was fired up. Uh, They're like, we're going to give the best quality care ever because we're one-on-one. We're giving you an hour, the whole hour, just to you. No aid, no tech, nothing. Um, and then he wasn't getting any patients. In. And the professor was going on about like how we might view this as something very special, something very unique that not many people actually get but the patient really doesn't really know because like you mentioned in the beginning that this like five patients now are getting treated by a student um, could become the norm. And I think that the patients value their progress and they value the progress in relation to their expectation. And I think that all that all goes into part about the, I mean, the the opportunity that when we first meet them for the initial evaluation and even after, right? We can provide an opportunity for them about how to educate them for their expectations. So if we set the stage in terms of, hey, listen, you come in twice a week, and it's a group environment. There'll be a few other people I keep circling back and forth with. We'll make very slow, steady progress that will get you in the road to recovery like, over time and make tiny changes here and there. Um, when you set the stage that way, they align their expectations with that, and that's what they get. So it, yeah. I think a lot of it does have to come down to patient expectations versus if it is a more one-on-one setting with more changes each time, maybe more space between appointments so we can make some meaningful differences each time. And then if the patient um, is excited about that, understands that process, then that's a big benefit along the way. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to like also like just keep on complaining or just be like a rant episode, but I love, I love how you're like, I don't want to do this, but, yeah, but I might start still, keep still doing going. it. Um, <laughs> well, it's like, I mean, it's, there's like always that culture in, in a certain facility, and and it's and it's hard to like adjust when you're just somebody there, just like like a therapist just in, in a big facility. Um, let, me, let me give you a specific example. So during my clinical, like I I just pair off with some people that I want to spend more one-on-one time so I can give them more quality care, and I'm I'm trying to reassess them, get those asterisk signs, get the their functional baselines and then do, like, a test-retest. Right, which, which I would argue is kind of the – should be the minimum standard of care. Yeah. 
but but the patients are so ingrained in just getting the exercises done that they they were just like so in a rush to just get on a bike and just start pedaling and yeah. just wanted me to to go away pretty much um but there's so a part of that can be an interesting thought experiment for you Bob, about how can i get the information fast and efficient and get even better at my questions knowing that i might give i might not get to all the nuances of it but hey where's your pain today where's it hurting clear up the body chart clear up kind of the irritability is there anything that's changed at all and get a better understanding of that with their functional report after time. Yeah, and, and that's something that I need to work on and improve, but yes, you're you're right. So so that's where where I guess we're both at in terms of this. Um I guess the the next step about like we're talking about this and instead of complaining, we can make it into like something actionable. So so what what do you think like any of the listeners can do, what we can do or what you're doing? To, to to I guess make a dent in some some physical therapy clinic or physical therapy world. Quit your job. Quit your job. Quit your job. So if you are that misaligned with something, if you step into an ingrained system where you are fighting uphill all the way along the way, yes, we're entering a time where the jobs are we have a reported amount of scarcity in jobs, right? People places are struggling, especially certain outpatient ortho clinics. If you walk into an ingrained system without a plan of going into ownership over that, and it is so deeply ingrained and interrooted, and they're billing, they're reimbursing, their marketing strategies, everything, well, your job is not worth it. If you no. want, if you, especially if you're starting out, I think that you need to find something that aligns with your values. Nick, I'm just going to play devil's advocate real here, uh, real quick oh, here. Please, so, please do, Bob. I love it. So, so, I mean, you can say quit your job. But, and again, just playing devil's advocate, but like, once you say that's like a disservice to like the patients that are in that system already? No. No. If, so, yes and no. Yes and no. Um, I say no because in terms of if you're saying is it a disservice because the people who are in that system, it's not like they're going to have a lack of therapist to care for. They're going to find another therapist who's fine working in that setting. And just plug them in to see those patients. Now, is it well, a service because I, they might not be getting the best quality care? Is that more of what you're asking? Well, I'm more of referring to the patients, like a disservice to the patients that are in that system. So, like, if you were, like, if you were trying to move in, or like you're you're already in a job like that, um, at least you're trying your best to provide better care. Sure. But can can you do anything else? Like. And, and of course, you don't. You may not have the answer. Probably nobody has the answer, um, because. And to, of what... to be honest, Bob, my my answer is it's not worth it. And that might be a very bold statement, um, but we talked about how you know people with musculoskeletal based pain, only eight percent of them seek physical seek and see physical therapy, right? So we're not competing for all the people within the other clinics. And like you said, unfortunately, it's better than nothing. Where I think I can make a bigger impact than pulling people out of a system or changing a system um, for the better is instead of altering this, getting in there and shaking things up and riling things up and fighting against resistance, is I would rather create a system of my own or join a system that is better, that I feel ethically aligned with, that can help patients fully. But then I would rather by word of mouth and all these other ways show that my system works. And maybe I get, you know, patients I treat to tell their family and friends about their experience 
they contrast that with other therapy that they've had. Um, and we spread the word that way. And that way would be a shining example of what's possible versus just pointing fingers and saying, this is wrong, this is wrong, even if we do come up with a blueprint, blueprint for success. Okay, interesting. I mean, this is, I mean, coming into this conversation today, I didn't think we were going to talk about this at all. Um, but, but I mean, it's an interesting topic. And it's always like something, I guess it's always like something to think about, especially, I guess, in the physical therapy uh, profession, but in any profession, like, any profession. Right now, I'm talking to some, some marketing guys now and everything, some people in accounting, and they're sick of their jobs, right? They're working crazy long hours. And all of a sudden, right, we have a, they've been sick of it already. They have a change up in their world. And they've been on the edge already about, hey, do I go out on my own? Do I start my own business? Um, and all of a sudden, they've been given this external validation permission. Why? Because literally, absolutely everything is completely different. So because everything in the world is completely different now, they have this external validation. Now they say, okay, I've got permission. Things are changing up. I need to change. And, yeah, like you said, Bob, this is far more than physical therapy. This is what is this internal conflict, internal battle, that there might not be a right or wrong answer, only an answer that you derive. Do I quit where I'm at to truly jump ship and start something better? Or do I get a bucket and start, you know, taking water out of the boat while getting the bucket and patching up these loose holes? Or, or while the ship is sinking. While the ship is sinking, but you don't know how fast it's sinking or how much. You're right. So that's interesting. It's an interesting um, thought. And I mean, I guess again to play like devil's advocate or like from outsider's perspective, it, th- this statement, like what we're talking about right now, may seem selfish. Um, that that you're trying, you're jump, you're jumping ship to find a new ship while the ship is sinking. Absolutely, um, it may, it may, I get that. It may seem very selfish. But at the same time, it's like when you find the new ship, you're you bring all your expertise, your your qualities that add so much more to that ship, and spread with, the wealth with there. less barriers. And, and you know, my thought is always, what will allow me to have the impact I want to have in this world? And yes, the word I is in the center of that statement, but it's not the focus of that statement, because I'm just the vessel that is carried through. But for me, living my mission, right? What's going to get in my way? What can I actually do? And if I'm fighting uphill just to make a tenth of the impact, that's not time well spent. You're right. You're you're gonna make much more an impact when there's less barriers, when you're driven and when when you're able to help the people you want to help. So that's good. I like that, Nick. That's that's great. And then you feel like you're on the right track for you as Nick Davis right now. Oh boy. That is a loaded question. That's a loaded question. I like that question because it's the one and it's like so dang general, right? It's like, huh, you're on the right track, bud, right? Like you, you're not going crazy. You're not messing up everything. But on the other side, it's let me evaluate every facet of my life, every part of my life. Am I living in accordance with that or not? I'd say the majority right now, yeah, I am. I've had some roadblocks along the way, some obstacles. Um but I absolutely am. And it's uh, resistance is feedback, Bob. Resistance isn't just something to push through. It's something to be to learn from to adjust. And so as we run through that brick wall or hurdle over, right, it's a teacher. It's a teacher that guides us to do something different. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I would say for myself, I'm, I'm in a relatively same same similar spot. I, I know right now the main focus for me is to pass on boards, um, but then everything after that is just pure pure fear. Um, I mean, it, it's fear as long as I'm not doing anything illegal. I know that's that's the right path for me. Um, yeah, as long as I don't, don't break any laws, I'll, I'll be doing fine. Now, Bob, tell me about uh, this residency because we haven't had a residency update from you in a while. When are the residency applications due? What's going on with those? When you have interviews? What's the whole process? So I'm applying for the McKenzie residency. Um, so it's the only only one residency that I'm going to apply for. I'm putting all my eggs in one basket. It uh, doesn't seem like a smart idea, but it's where I want to go. Um, uh, you, you know my next question. That's a very important question. Yep. How many, how many eggs are in that one basket? I would say, for me, so like if I had 10 eggs, five of the eggs would be in the basket. Um, where, are the other five? where are the other five? So, I, I mean, I have a plan B. If I don't go, if I don't get into residency, I have a plan B. Um, now, do you actually have a plan B? Because five eggs and five eggs sounds pretty damn equal to me. Yeah, so I mean, either way, I'll be happy with with whatever happens. Um, okay. Tell me, tell so, me more, my friend. So, so the plan, so I applied to the McKenzie residency. If I get in, and chances are, it, it looks like based on like everything I've been doing, and my application and all the, all the like the, my resume things like that, I think I have a pretty good chance of getting in. Um, now, who knows? Maybe like in, in three months when I listen to this, when we record the podcast, who knows what might happen. Um, but but the the process I'm applying for the January cohort. The deadline's around November-ish, so like mid-November. So when I pass my boards, I'll apply then, um, and then it starts in January. Plan B is if I don't pass, if I don't get an emergency, I'm gonna take all all the courses, get McKenzie certified within. The, the next few months of when I pass my licensure exam, and then I'll try for um, the diploma program. So, so that's that's another opportunity. And meanwhile, I'm, I'll be starting my own practice and, and doing my own things. And again, scared as heck, but I know that's that's where I want to go, and that's where the fears is leading me. Dude, that's the best place to be in the world, right? Having some fear, having some healthy fear about not knowing where exactly you're going to go, what's going to happen, you're a little bit of uncertainty in the future, because you care, right? If, if this was like, oh, you know, I feel like, you know, it's going to be okay, I'll do fine, da, da, da. I'm not too scared, everything's going to go cool. Dude, you don't care enough, right? You've got to be so emotionally invested that you're terrified of it not landing that way. Yeah, I'm, I'm terrified of, you said of not landing that way? Um, yeah, of like the things that you want, right? So either the residency or the diploma program, like you care about it so much that you are terrified that it won't work out. Yeah, you're right. That's a great place to be. I uh, like, yep, yep. Um, so right now, I mean, coming into this podcast, I was going to talk actually about MPT, so, so, so the board again. Um, and, and for those of those people that don't know, it's it's a it's a licensure exam 
So like at any at the end of like any medical profession, there's a there's a state or there's a nationwide board exam. Um, they could pass, and then you get licensed. For the physical therapy one, it's five hours long, 250 questions, and it, it's a super big exam. They, they test you on everything. Um, and I guess, I guess the initial topic that I want to talk about is how like this is such a big thing, but then breaking it down to like little bite-sized chunks makes it so much more manageable than just tackling head on. But, I mean, I, I want to hear, like, since you took it last year, I, I want to hear about, like, what was your initial reaction when you were first starting and then at the end, how how did you feel? So, first starting the actual test or first starting, like, the study in the program? The, the, the studying. So, like, were you, like, overwhelmed by, like, how many things there were because of such how big it is? I, uh, so I was originally going to start my study when I was down in Texas on my last clinical, but I was having such a blast with the clinical, I decided not to, um, and wait until I got back up in Ithaca, so I was in Ithaca around a week, and I started studying again, um, and for me, it was a lot, um, I think it was important for me to talk with other people about, both people who had been through it before, about their experience with it, to see how they pace themselves, but then also to really talk to other people who are my cohort as well, studying to take it, um, to see what their plan was. Not that I have to adapt based on that, but kind of what were the things they were finding that they valued that they thought were important and adapt my game plan a little bit. And so, I don't know, I think it came in waves for me. I think initially it was like, all right, let me just cover a ton of ground, right? Let me go broad. And I, I went through a phase of like, listen, some of this stuff, right, how I study to take the test, is not, it's not updated, it's not necessarily the best research out there, not the most clinically based. And so there are some things in there that I'm like, damn, I know that this is the answer to the question for the board. I know this is what I would never do for an actual patient. And that was a tough pill to follow for me. Okay, okay. Um, so I, I had to get in the mindset for myself of take the gang test, right? The test is a ticket, right? The test is a ticket and a license to practice. The job is to say, hey, do what's best supported in a very conservative manner to not kill anybody. That's totally the purpose of the test. And so when I was taking it, I had to take it from the light and from the perspective of, all right, this is what they want me to answer. So let me answer it for this. But I do my own thing clinically for what's best based on the other education that I have for what's actually going to work best in my patients. I like I like that. Um, well, I mean, I wanted it to parallel, I guess, other big things that we we go through in life. Um, so, so this is such a such a big test. And, and what you did was was you asked people that have been through it before. You asked your peers that are going through it what their strategies are. And I think that's the same thing with with any big thing. Like when you're applying to jobs, you're asking people for feedback for advice, and you're asking your friends for, for the same that, that are on your same wavelength of what you're doing for advice. So, so I like it, Nick. This this is good. Yeah, dude. Um, honestly, I uh, I don't know. Like I had to prepare for it. I took it the studying very seriously. But I also didn't make a huge deal out of it. Um, I knew it was something I had to do. I had to pass. I had to, that was my priority for those kind of two months, two and a half months that I focused on. 
Um, but other than that, it was, hey, de-stress, have a lot of fun, have a good time. Um, and know that it was fit that it was a ticket. It was something I had to take very seriously. Um, so then I could truly let go after. Yeah, I like it. You took it seriously and you went with it with the burning passion. I don't know about that, but I got the job done, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, okay, <laughs> it, yeah, that's fair. It, it, it was a burning passion to get into the profession, to get started, to get treating patients and better myself. It was not a burning passion to take this test. I see. Okay. I mean, that's that's fair. But hey, sometimes in life there's things that you just absolutely have to get done, and this is one of those. Exactly. Like, is there anything else you want to talk about on this podcast? Anything you want to share? Any news with fellowship? Anything like that? Well, it's just going to be a long time coming, dude. It, uh, you know, I go on my interviews until early October, so we got plenty of time before that occurs. Um, so it won't be any fellowship updates. Um, until then, but I think, you know, like you were talking about, Bob, about making our environment or situation better is and saying, the, like, you saying, oh, I will pass this test, right? In my mind, I'm already acting like a spine fellow. So I just, you know, let me, yeah, let me apply to this, let me do this and everything. But when I'm in this situation, why would I not go ahead, right? Why would I not use this opportunity to be in the next level? I was all around me. I've got their mentors all around me. I'm not in this situation as a resident, as a fellow, as this label of an object for external expectations. I have an opportunity in front of me that I'm labeled as a resident for a certain opportunity. So let me take absolutely everything I can out of this experience and gain all I can in a breath of knowledge and understanding and deeper intuition with it. And so it's all about taking the opportunity at hand in front of you not necessarily the one that you thought you were going to get into, but just always evaluating yourself and saying, what can I do to take the next step? What can I do to be a little bit better? And that's what it's all about. I love it. That's great. Nick, you're always motivating as ever. So let's touch upon the accountability piece real quick. Yeah. Um, so last week, you just wanted to like relax, have fun. It was your last real, I guess, weekend, right? Uh, we we got another uh, course this weekend and everything coming up. Um, so we had, uh, yeah, so I haven't had an off weekend yet in a while, but um, it was just kind of having a more relaxed time knowing that you only have one weekend off in August um, for the residency and everything. So that was, it was good, man. Just good to take a chill in between time. Um, definitely needed it. Good, good. Yeah, and then for me, I've been studying for my boards and I've been doing pretty well. I mean, every day I've been the the hours that I haven't been at my clinical, I've been spent just writing all the notes that that are important, that are critical. So I'm pretty happy with that. Pretty happy that I've been pushing, especially like since it's so busy at the clinical. Um, so it's been going well. Thank you. That's awesome. Um, yeah, dude. I'm glad you're. Glad you're getting after it. Um, even later tonight, I've got uh, with my work for the sports gig. Uh, we've got like a journal club review thing that we're doing um, online together. So that'll be good. Just kind of bettering our education together, um, making big strides out there, making things happen. Uh, it's always about ways we can leverage things and draw the best out of each other. Um, I was able to um, have both Evolution and Kaiser. Um, they're going to order a couple masons for the clinic, some lightweight ones. Um, so that'll be sweet having them in there just to kind of um, 
I'll be able to work with patients for those in both settings and stuff. Crazy pumped for that. Another, another good opportunity. Wow, that's a, that's awesome. Yeah, dude. So it's uh, you know, it's a little thing to look forward to, and just just enjoying the journey with my patients, man. It's uh, it's been fun, and uh, looking forward to. Uh, we'll we'll be talking by the time between now and that time, but I've got a big hike planned in like uh, two weeks, so I'll be a blast. Exciting, yeah. Um, so accountability for me next week, same thing. I wanna just really hammer home the studying. Like once clinicals are over, I wanna study like eight eight hours a day if possible, just really making the the sole goal is passing that that the board exam. Um, that's my plan, and then I'll check upon next week, and then I'll have more. I guess, like right now, my number one priority is passing the boards. But next week, I'll have like a more concrete goal of what I want to do once I have like more time minus the clinical. Yo. So, do you want to set anything, or you got your hike for two weeks? You're, you have your journal club um, after this. Yeah. So I don't. I think that the things I'm already doing, I've already got external accountability for. I mean, I can I can talk about it already. Um, but like this weekend, we're having our uh, manual based course for cervical and thoracic. So then every once in a while, um, like once or twice a month, um, the residents take turns at our specific location. We're putting on like a skills review during our lunch hour. Um, so I'll be doing that this next weekend, putting together some thoracic cervical skills and handouts and stuff, probably going over um, some different manipulations. And so that'll be good to do prep for that. Um, really nothing else to add outside of the things I'm already externally accountable for, um, which is a heck of a lot right now. So yeah, man, it's going to, it's going to be good. It's a good freaking journey to be on. I love it. All right, Nick, I'll see you next week. All right. Well, Bob. Take care.